0: thank you very much for that song. Let's see, is this on? on? You hear me? Yes. Everybody good? All right. Thank you very much. I love, I love that song. Great, great song. Uh, take your Bibles, Luke chapter ten. Luke chapter ten. Get right into it today. <clears throat> I have uh, three pages of notes and six pages of scripture. It's not really a joke, it's just true. Um, it is a little humorous though, but no, I, I, I feel, um, especially we we're talking uh, with Adam, we we're talking about the, you know, being, being younger, younger preachers, and one of the things that I've tried to rely on a little bit, uh, not a little bit more, it, it should go for any preacher, um, but just to let the Bible speak for itself. Amen. Um, I feel like that's the best way for things to go. It's not about my opinion. It's not about um, anything that I have to say. It's what the Bible has to say. So uh, that being said, this, this passage in Luke here is going to serve as kind of a transition to where, where we're actually going to go. Um, but I, want, I do want to uh, give an illustration first. Um, obviously, Anna is pregnant. And so I've tried to step up my game a little bit when it comes to uh, helping out around the house. Now, I already, I already do that, but trying to do it a little bit more so so she does not have to worry about it as much. And, um, you know, dishes are kind of the, especially with kids, they're just like, you know, n- have never heard of the concept of reusing, you know, the same cup that you just used 20 minutes ago. You have to go get a brand new one, right? Um, and so it just, like laundry, it's a never ending cycle. Um, so dishes is one of the things that I I actually kind of enjoy doing it um, and uh, and so that's one of the things that I do. But if I wanted to uh, clean the house for my wife, or if I wanted to, if she was out shopping somewhere and something like that, and I wanted to you know just clean up the house before she got home, you know I'll get started doing the dishes. But for me, I don't know if you're like me. I have to organize the dishes first. I put all the plates together on the side. I put all the cups together. I put all of the silverware together. I I have to organize it first. And then then I wash the dishes like section by section. Okay? And I don't... (laughs) That's just me. That's just me. But anyways... So, you know, I, I organize everything first and then, you know, go to scrape the di- some of the dishes off into the trash, but then I realize that the trash needs to be taken out. And so I take out the trash and then, you know, I have to go get a new bag from underneath the sink. And as I'm down there, I see how dirty the floor is. And so I go get, get the broom to go start sweeping, you know. And as I'm sweeping, I see that, that there's stuff underneath the couches. There's like the toys that just, the little kids' toys that get slid underneath the couches. And so I move the couches, to try you know, clean all the toys and everything like that, put them away in the kids' rooms, and as I'm in the kids' rooms, I see that there's dirty clothes on the floor. And then I take the dirty clothes down to the down to the basement to put them in the laundry, and I realize that there's still a load in the dryer. And so I take that load up and I start folding it. And uh, you know, and Anna comes home then, by the way, this is not a real story. Um, <laughs> Anna comes home then to, to see the dishes aren't done. There's no trash bag in the trash can you know, the the floor is half swept, the couches are moved, toys half put away, laundry not folded, and me just sitting there trying to do everything all at the same time. And, uh, you know, kind of living out the, if you give a mouse a cookie type of, th- but if you give Rob unfinished household chores, I don't, um, nobody would read that book. Um, but uh, again, I, I, all of that, doing, doing that with the purpose of you know, trying to show my wife that I love her and trying to do something that's going to please her and that's going to make her happy. Um, you know, all, all most of the time, all she wants, though, is just to sit down, let's, let's spend some time together and let's talk and let's, let's enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, my intentions were good. Even my actions, though unfinished, uh, were good. Um, but because I prioritized something that she didn't prioritize... And again, this is not not to speak at all about her housekeeping ability. This is just an illustration, so bear with me, okay? Um, You know, prioritizing, if you get into the five love languages thing, acts of service instead of quality time. I missed out on growing closer in our relationship because I I chose something that was not her priority. By the way, I think my my wife's love language is all five of them. Um, So... (laughs) which is really cool because then I can just do all of them at the same time. Uh, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's really good. But anyways, at, at, we see kind of that same type of story in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, which is what we read with Brother Carson just a little bit ago. So at the house of Mary and Martha, Jesus reprimanded Martha for focusing on serving the Savior more than on the Savior that she served. And now obviously we want to serve the Savior, you know, we, we have ministries going on all throughout this building right now and where people are serving. And so we don't discount that. But as, as Christ put it in verse 42, one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So I'm not saying service is unimportant. I'm not saying, you know, me cleaning the house is unimportant. What I'm saying is there's something that's more important. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I find myself in Martha's shoes far too often. Where where I am cumbered about much serving. There's always so much to do. Um, You know, we have church, we have the school. uh, I'm involved the teen ministry and music ministry and all of that, and then kids and and family and and the house um, and all of this stuff. And it's it's rarely intentional, but there are times when I do allow my to do list overwhelm my thoughts. First thing in the morning. If I'm, and if I'm not careful, I get busy working and doing all the things that I, that I know I need to do and things that are good to do, but I can allow that to take the place and cause me to miss the most important thing that day, my relationship with God. And uh, uh, God, obviously, I think all of us would agree that, that our relationship with God is what is most important. That is what is most needful. As a Christian, that's what our Christian life is founded upon is our relationship with him. And yet far too often we find ourselves in that place. Like I have sometimes, unfortunately in my life, where I get busy with the doing instead of the one that I'm doing it for. And I, and I unintentionally ignore him and, and try to do all this stuff for him when he's just saying, hey, I just, I just wanna spend time with you. Would you just come and sit down with me and, and come talk to me? We all would agree that our relationship with God is more important than anything else. So why is it so difficult, and why do we sometimes do such a poor job of consistently spending time with God? Now, this is not this is not going to be a let's let's beat you over the head type of message. Not at all. Uh, in fact, quite the contrary. But many people, and I'll get there in just a second. But uh, many people um, will reprioritize their life after uh, after a significant event, especially life-altering events, um, whether that be uh, you know a near-death experience or a health situation. Um, Pastor talks about all, all the time. He talks about the gym and, and how he's prioritized his health so that he can, cont- and, and that's, that's, that's the, a lot of people do that and They they have a significant thing that happens and, and then they restructure and reemphasize a certain area of their life um, and, and, uh, or a, a loss of a family member or a loss of a job even can cause us to reprioritize things and we think about what's really important. We think about what's gonna be, what's gonna be important in the long run Instead of focusing on the frivolous or the, or the needless. Um, you know, salvation is supposed to be that type of event in our lives spiritually. Where we, where we uh, get saved and, and Christ moves in. And, and we, and not just eternity altering by the way, but life altering. Salvation is not just about our eternity. I talked about our relationship with God. Salvation is about restoring that relationship. Amen. It's about bringing us back into fellowship with Christ. and, and, uh, and, and uh, But again, so many people, they, they focus on, yes, the, the eternal, that's great, but God wants to be with us right now. Amen. I haven't had uh, many health issues in my life, so it's, it's tougher for me to convince myself to eat healthy. <laughs> Um, and uh, and and exercise and stuff like that. And I, I try to do a good job of that. I'm not near the same level of, of pastor or brother Tim or these guys that you know that are working out all the time and, and eating healthy. And it probably shows. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's we we have these things that happen in our lives that that should cause us to reprioritize things. Sure. Salvation is supposed to be that way spiritually. Uh, I, with, my, with the Teen Guys Sunday School class, uh, we, we've been going through Paul's epistles and kind of in, in Bible study format where we sit down and I ask them to read the chapter throughout the week and we talk about it. Uh, so in that, I, I, every section or every, every verse that, that kind of sticks out to me, I try to ask myself a question about it. And so the question in this case that I would ask myself would be spiritually, what will it take for me to prioritize my relationship with God? And if you would ask yourself the same question, what will it take? And there's some of you, some of you are doing great and some of you are, are right there and you're consistent and you're, you, you know, you're, you're close to the Lord and that's great. But if you're anything like me, there've been stretches where, or times where you're like, oh man, I, I, I get a little busy and, and I, I fail to prioritize like I should. So spiritually, what does it take for me to reprioritize my life and to emphasize and prioritize my walk with God? Um. Most people would say that, that there's two parts to our, to our relationship with God, and that would be, you know, you talk about devotions or whatever phrase you want to use for that, and that would be your, your Bible reading and your prayer life, Amen. okay? I think there's a little bit more to it than that, and I'm not going to get into that today. That's not the point of the message today, um, but those are not going to be the, the focus, and so those are not going to be the focus of the message today. We're going to focus on the Bible, and, and that's going to be the focus today and this morning that we need to read our Bible. Very simple, simple, very simple truth and very simple thought that we need to read our Bible. So today is not a, is not a let's beat you over the head about you know, uh, the consistency or the lack of consistency in our walk with God. It's going to be more so a sales pitch for the Bible, if you will. This is why you should read your Bible. Amen. This is why we need to be studying the word of God. Amen. And that's what we're gonna focus on today. Um, so do you read your Bible? Rhetorical question, I hope so. If so, how much? If so, how often? If so, how consistently? I hope we don't wait for a crisis to come into our lives before we start, man, I need to get in my Bible. Because a lot of times what happens if we do wait for that crisis to come, we get into our Bible and we're studying and we're praying and all that, when the crisis passes, so does the consistency of our walk with God. That should not be the foundation of our walk with God is are we going through a crisis? Okay, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but... Um, why is it important for me to prioritize and put effort into my relationship with God? So I'm going to focus specifically today on our Bible reading, though I, I may, maybe the next time I, I have the opportunity to preach, I might talk about prayer uh, along the same lines and talk about the same thought here. Uh, but let me pray real quick before we get into it. Again, we have a lot of scripture to get to, and I want to get to all of it, um, but let's pray and, and uh, ask the Lord to bless. Heavenly Father, we know you love your word, God. You, you've given it to us, and you've provided your word to be inspired and preserved and kept for us throughout the ages. God, forgive us for the times that we've not prioritized it. Forgive us for the times that we've not uh, made it a point and put in the effort necessary to to read it. God, I pray that you would use this time uh, in, in each of our hearts to help us to see the importance of your word, to help us to see and 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 maybe reprioritize some things in our lives as a whole, and and maybe maybe. Um, on a daily basis that we would emphasize and, re, and, and uh, make your word a part of our, our daily schedule. God, would you, would you uh, just use your word to, to speak to hearts this morning? Would you fill me with your spirit, Lord? And uh, would you bless us now in Jesus' name, amen. I said, God obviously loves, loves his word. And um, many people throughout scripture understood that and understood the importance of God's word. Why? Why is the Bible important? Job understood that. Job 20. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to turn to all of these passages. Okay. Again, I have probably 45 different passages that we're going to look at. Hopefully, throughout the the course of the message this morning. Um, but I hope you'll you'll listen uh, to each one and understand uh, what it's trying to say. Job 23, verse 12. A great, great passage, a great verse. We, the verse, the verse, couple just, just two verses before that, you know, when he, uh, when he, uh, he knoweth the way that I take. But when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. But a couple verses later, it says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Amen. Understanding the importance of the words of God in our lives. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make that way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Seeking for the Lord. Why is the Bible important? And uh, pastor kind of gives me a hard time about the alliterated aspect of things. Uh, I, I use alliteration for several different reasons. One, for memory's sake. It helps me remember what I'm gonna say. And if, if somebody alliterates, I'm gonna remember, remember their message in, uh, a little bit easier. Uh, number two, it causes me to, uh, to think a little bit harder about what, what the Bible is saying. It, it forces me to do a little bit of a deeper, deeper study. What is the Lord actually trying to say here? And I, I think that's a good thing. And uh, so why is the Bible important? Number one. Because it reveals, it reveals. It's a revealing word. What does it reveal? And I'm gonna to try to go through this again relatively quickly, so please try to keep up with your ears, not that you're doing anything, you're just sitting there. Um, it reveals, what does it reveal? Well, it reveals our God. The Bible reveals our God. Luke 24, verse 27, Christ is on the road to Emmaus after his, uh, after his resurrection, talking to some disciples there. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He was able to show and reveal himself as God through the scriptures. John chapter five, verse 39, Christ himself speaking uh, earlier in his life, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they, the scriptures, are they which testify of me. Our God is revealed through the scriptures. What about our God? Well, his creation. His creation is revealed. Obviously, Genesis 1.1, we can talk about that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God created the heaven and the earth. And and, uh, in a a world that has tried to to discount and discredit creation, we understand the importance of that worldview. That is vital uh, to understanding the scriptures and understanding our world. And Romans chapter one, verse number 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. God reveals himself through his creation and through his word. It reveals our God, it reveals his creation. It reveals the creation, it reveals his character. Psalm 116, verse five, and we could man, these, these topics that I'm saying, these, these different things, this is not an exhaustive list of the scripture that we could go through and, and talk about how God reveals himself. And, and this one is character, the character of God. Psalm 116, verse number five, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. So there's three things right there, and we could spend a lot of time just talking about how God is gracious, God is righteous, God is merciful, but we, we are revealed in the Bible, what are we revealed about God? His character, his character, who God is, and what he can be to us, what he can be for us. It reveals his character, it reveals his church. It reveals the church of God as well. In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, the Bible says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, And upon this rock, the deity of Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's going to build his, it's his church. It's not our church. It's not Pastor Bishop's church. Okay. We belong to it. Yes, but it, but it belongs to the Lord. It is the Lord's church. Ephesians chapter five, verses 23 through 25. Talk about God's church as well. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ cares about his church. He loves his church. But we, we read that, we find that in the Bible. We, you know, these, there's so many people that, and so many of these newer churches that go out there and, and I heard a, a one place that went out and put a poll out to the community. What do you want in a church? What are you looking for in a church? You know, what, what, what type of, what type of uh, uh, setting do you want? Do you want a coffee shop? Do you want what, you know, all, not that coffee's bad. I had coffee this morning, okay? Uh, some of you may disagree with that. I don't care. That's not in the Bible. That's my opinion, okay? Um, but, but, you know, the, the church of God is not based on our opinion. The church of God is based on the word of God. And it, it, that's where we need to go for that truth. So again, all of this is kind of a stump speech for the Bible, for the word of God. That's what we're talking about this morning. It reveals our God. It reveals his creation, his character, and his church. What else does it reveal? It reveals the gospel. It reveals the gospel. I love this one. The Bible is the revelation of the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses three and four. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To salvation and to the saving of our lives as well. The gospel is revealed in the Bible. What about the gospel of the Savior? The Savior is revealed. In the beginning, John chapter one, verse number one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And and we could skip down to verse verse number 14 in that same passage. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And again, I am not even scratching the surface when it comes to the scriptures that we could read about our Savior. But the scriptures reveal our Savior. It reveals the Savior, it reveals the sacrifice. Oh, I love this passage. Hebrews chapter seven. I do want you to turn here. Turn to Hebrews chapter seven. This is a great one. Turn to Hebrews chapter seven. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they were truly many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the peoples, for this he did once when he offered up himself. I love that passage and talks about what Christ did for us on the cross. The fact that he didn't need to offer, his, offer a sacrifice for his own sins first. He became the sacrifice for our sins. The sacrifice. It reveals the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And then it reveals the salvation. Romans chapter 10 Verses nine and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible reveals the gospel. The gospel, that is the foundation of our church. It is the gospel. That That is why we are here is because of the gospel. It reveals our God and his creation, his character, his church. It reveals the gospel, the savior, his sacrifice, and the salvation that comes as a result of that. It also reveals our goal. Our goal. Why are we here? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11. The Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has plans for us. But you know where we find a lot of that? The word of God. Why should I read the Bible? All of these things. It reveals things to us. It shows us what we're supposed to do. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 it reveals our goal. What is our goal? Pleasing God, pleasing God. Revelation chapter four, verse 11. The Bible says, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We are created to please God. Contrary to what our society teaches today, we are not created for our own pleasure. We are not created to make, I'm not here to make myself happy. Now, but if I please God, he promised that he would bring joy. He promised that he would do that. And, and if, we will, if we will follow the will of God, he promised that he would bring that happiness and that, that we will not have any regrets if we will serve the Lord. Pleasing God. What else is our goal? Preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. The Bible says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. Now that command verbally was specifically given to his disciples, but again, his disciple just means follower. If we are a Christian and we are following Christ, that command is given to us as well. Are we preaching the gospel? Are we going out and sharing the word of God? Are we going out and witnessing and trying to tell others about the word of God, about, about salvation? We are called to do so, that's our goal. What else? Partnership with God. Our goal, partnership with God. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 29, the Bible says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. We're to partner with God. God doesn't ask us to do any of that on our own. He says, take my yoke upon you. I think Brother Tim mentioned it a couple weeks ago, something about that. Our yoke, we, we labor together. God promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. He's gonna be right there with us as we strive to do what we are called to do. The Bible is a revealing book. It reveals our God. It reveals the gospel. It reveals our goal. But the Bible's not just a revealing book. It's a reminding book. It reminds us. It reminds us. It reminds us of what? It reminds us of God's love. God's love. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 16, the Bible says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. God is love. Love. The Bible can remind us. Why should we read the Bible? Why is it so important that we, that we take time on a daily basis to get into the word of God? Because it reminds us of these things. It reminds us of God's love. God's love is unbiased. John chapter three, verse 16, most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world. Not, not just those that were worthy, none of us are. God's love is unbiased. He loves each and every one of us. God's love is unfathomable. First John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. To answer the question that Pastor has always asked, why does God love us? How does God love us? We can, we, can, we can answer that question. How does he show he loves us? We can answer that question. But why? Again, we're not worthy. None of us are. We love him because he first loved us. Man, he's done so much for us. That's understandable why we would love God. Why does God love us, man? It's unfathomable. It's unfathomable. It reminds us of God's love and the fact that it is unending. Amen. Romans chapter 8 verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is unending. It will not change. It reminds us of God's love. It reminds us of God's leading. God's leading. Psalm 119, verse 105, the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I've often used that illustration with the teenagers where a lamp unto your feet, all that it shows you is the next step. God doesn't often reveal the full picture. He doesn't often reveal the entire path that our life is gonna take, but we just need to trust him for that next step. A lamp unto my feet, trust him for that next step. It reminds us of God's leading. It's a directed leading. Psalm 23, verses one through four, you could probably quote these along with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He leads us specifically. He leads us, it's a directed, he, tried, he, he wants to direct our ways. It is a daily Leading. It is a daily leading. Let me turn my page here. Psalm 48, verse number 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. I love that as well. This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Even unto death. God, God wants to lead us every step of the way, He wants to guide us every step of the way if we will let Him. It's a daily leading. It's a definite leading. Psalm 18, verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. It's a definite leading, meaning we can't really argue with how good it is. We can't really argue with the fact that it's perfect. It says right there, as for God, his way is perfect. It's definite. It's, how, who am I to try to argue with that and try to do my own thing when God's way is perfect? Amen. Psalm uh, 27, 11, a prayer uh, that, I, that I often pray, Psalm 27, verse 11, the Bible says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. And this could probably go back to a directed leading, but God, make it clear what you have for me to do. Lead me in a plain path, make it evident. I don't know if any of you are overthinkers and weighing all the options turns into overwhelming things and and, uh, trying to think about every possible situation and outcome that there could possibly be. But but, uh, David here prays, lead me in a plain path. God, make it evident what you want me to do. Make it clear. Show me exactly what you want me to do. By the way, you know where we get that? From the word of God. Where can we find these reminders? The word of God. It reminds us of God's love, it reminds us of God's leading, and it reminds us, and I have no subpoints underneath this one, it reminds us of God's limits. What? Matthew 19, verse 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Genesis 18, 14, Abraham and Sarah about to conceive a baby and God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. It reminds us of God's limits. Kind of a tricky way to word that because God doesn't have any. With God, all things are possible. There are no limits. God can do anything. But you know where we read about that? In the word of God. Why is it important for us to to read the Bible? Because we get to know our God through the Bible. It reveals all of that to us. It reminds us of these things and these promises that we have. It reminds us, it reveals our God, the gospel, our goal. It reminds us of God's love, of God's leading and of God's limits, but it also refreshes us. Yes, sir. It refreshes us with new mercies, Amen. new mercies. Lamentations chapter three, I mentioned a verse from here earlier. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. We have new mercies every morning. I love the fact that I can wake up every morning with a clean slate. God, I haven't failed you today. Help me to keep that up. Thank you for your mercy that is new every morning. God's mercy is enduring. A verse that is probably the most off-quoted, pastor says most off quoted verse in the Bible, or most off-repeated verse in the Bible, probably the most off-quoted verse in our church. Psalm 107, verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I'm so glad that God's mercy is not like ours. Our, our patience and our mercy and our our long-suffering tends to run out. We tend to get to a point where like, okay, that's enough. I'm, I'm done. God's mercy's not that way. And I'm so thankful that with me in my personal life that God's mercy is enduring, that it endures forever. God's mercy is empathetic. Hebrews chapter four, verse number 14, the Bible says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." It's empathetic. God knows what we're going through. He knows. Sometimes you, you go through a, a thing in your life, you go through a situation or a circumstance that, man, nobody, nobody understands. Maybe nobody does know about it and you're, you're hiding it, or not, not shamefully, but just it's, it's not for everybody to know. And, and it's like, man, nobody understands what's going on behind the scenes. Well, I can guarantee you, God does. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what you're going through. It is an empathetic mercy. It's an empathetic mercy. And then it is an entrusted mercy, an entrusted mercy. And I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but Matthew chapter 18, this is a little bit of a lengthier passage, so bear with me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, the Bible says, therefore is, a kingdom, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants, When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. The exact same plea that he had just given to his master. Uh, And I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my Father, heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And we could also talk about uh, the, the model prayer that the Lord gives and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. That mercy is entrusted to us to then be delivered to those that wrong us. Nothing can compare to the way that we have wronged Christ. And he has mercy and he has forgiveness and entrusts us with that mercy to then give that out to others and to share that mercy of God with others. It is an entrusted mercy. The Bible refreshes. It gives us new mercies every morning. It gives us a new mindset. New mindset. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. There's that word mercy again. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, a new mindset. And this is kind of what I was talking about at the beginning, the shift in focus. Why should we read our Bible? Well, I think in order for us to answer that question and in order for us to reprioritize our lives to where our focus is correct, we need to have a shift in mindset. People reprioritize their lives based on what they now believe to be important. And I think so many Christians don't have a consistent relationship with God because they don't think it's that important. They don't read their Bible because they don't understand the importance of the Bible. They don't understand all of this stuff that can be found in the Bible, which again is why I'm trying to go through this this morning. So we can understand that and see this is what the Bible can do for you. It gives us a new mindset. It can help us focus on the spiritual. Matthew chapter six, verse number 33, the Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It gives us a new mindset of focusing on the spiritual. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay not up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Focusing on on the eternal, not on the temporal. No man can serve two masters. It gives us a new mindset of focusing on the spiritual. It gives us a new mindset that our Father is the source of all good things. Matthew chapter 11 And verse number 28, the Bible says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Father is the source of that refreshment, that rest that we can have. We find that in the word of God. The word of God is vital. It is important. The Father is the source. James chapter one, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is the source of all that is good in our lives. He is the source of our rest. He is the source of our joy. He is the source of our strength. He is the source of, of, of everything that we need in our spiritual lives. He, is gonna, he promised that he would provide for his children. Yet we fail to read his word where he promises that and where a lot of that can be found. And we instead go to, uh, we, we, we work harder in our own strength. We try to serve more in our own strength. Hoping that we can, we can earn some of that. When God says, no, just come to me. Just come to me. I will come, <laughs> verse uh, chapter 11, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest that we crave and we, we try to find respite and refreshment everywhere else other than the Lord. We seek for it in, in, in selfishness. We seek for it in, in sin. But God says, I'm right here. I can provide you the refreshment that you need, the rest that you so crave. It's a new mindset. The father is the source of all that is good in our lives. A new mindset that our followers will see, that our followers will see. Psalm 78 verses four through seven. Psalm 78 goes through a lot of the history of uh, the ups and downs, if you will, of the nation of Israel. Being brought out from Egypt, they're they're traipsing through the wilderness and and everything that befell them there. But the first part of the, the, the chapter here gives a reminder and an instruction to parents, especially in Psalm 78, verse number four, talking about the works of God. We will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It's a new mind, the, the word of God can refresh us with a new mindset that my followers are gonna see me. I'm, so, I'm talking specifically about my children. My children are watching. Yep. I remember one, one, of the, one of the most precious memories I have from when I was a kid was just about every morning when I would wake up, whether it be for school or in the summer or whatever, I would get up and come out of my room and I'd go into the living room and I would see both of my parents sitting in, sitting in chairs or kneeling in front of their chairs, reading their Bible, or praying almost every day of my childhood. I saw my parents reading their Bible and praying and walking with God. To me, that's a convicting thought. What do my kids see? When they come out every morning, do, will they see me just sitting there playing with my phone? What are they, what are they, what are they gleaning from me about the importance of certain things? If I don't prioritize the word of God in my life, how can I expect my children to understand the importance of the word of God in their life? Yes, we have church. Yes, we have Sunday school. Yes, we have Christian school. Yes, we have youth group, all of that stuff. But the impetus is on the parents in the word of God to pass that on to the children. God forbid that I should try to pass the buck to some institution when it's my responsibility to pass along the importance of the word of God to my kids. And I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? I want to be in that area. I want to be like my parents where, I, where my, my kids get up and they see me reading my Bible. And they, they see me emphasizing and putting an importance on the word of God. Now granted, yes, they're gonna make their own decisions later in life, but I don't want it to be because of me that they choose to walk away. I wanna give them every opportunity and every every example that I can possibly give of consistent walk and relationship with God. It's a new mindset. My followers are watching. They're gonna see if I put an importance on the word of God. And then we see it refreshes. It refreshes new mercies, refreshes with a new mindset, and a new morning. New morning, this is a little bit more of a practical thing, but Psalm chapter 63, verse number one, the Bible says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. A new morning, every day. I talked about this earlier, uh, the, the daily leading that God can give to us. But if he's gonna lead us daily, then we need to be daily in the word of God. Amen. Early will I seek thee. I think that, I think that message is twofold early in life, which again is why I'm trying to put such an emphasis on my relationship with God so that my kids will understand the importance of the word of God and their relationship with God. It's not, let me wait until I graduate high school and then I'll be consistent. It's not, let me wait until I have this this amazing experience and then all of a sudden I'll start reading my Bible. No, that's not how it works. No, you, you, we talked about it in Sunday school, guys, this morning, Uh, you make time for what is important to you and what is enjoyable to you the things that we care about, the things that we are most passionate about, we make time for those things in our lives. So do we make time for the word of God on a daily basis? Do we make time for the word of God on a daily basis? Early will I seek the early in life? Yes, but I believe also early in the day. Amen. I, I understand people have crazy schedules. I understand that. But to me, there's something about starting your day off in the word of God yes, with a spiritual mindset with God, God, get my mind focused on you today. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. And, and, and I, if I'm gonna meditate on it, I need to have it in my heart. New morning, every day. It needs to be prioritized. It, the, the word of God needs to be prioritized. God himself and our relationship with him needs to be prioritized. Colossians 1, verse 18, and he... Christ is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. He needs to be first place. Priority list, God number one. Every day, God number one. It must be priority. My, my Bible reading must be prioritized. Again, we, we make time for what is important to us which is why I'm trying to emphasize the importance of the word of God. Because if we can understand how important and how beneficial and how practical the word of God can be for us, if we can understand its importance, we will incorporate it. It needs to be prioritized. It needs to be purposeful. My Bible reading needs to be purposeful, intentional. Uh, We read this verse earlier, but John chapter five, verse 39, the Bible says, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Pastor talked about it in the book of Acts a couple weeks ago. Uh, Acts 17, verse 11. These, in Berea, were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Not just to check off a list. Now, I have, in the front of my Bible, I have the Bible reading calendar. And I love that because as I mentioned uh, with organizing dishes, I am all about organization and structure and, and all of that. And so it helps me, okay? But in that, I am searching the scripture and I'm asking the Lord to show me something. I'm asking the Lord to help me. And, and it's purposeful. It's not just reading to check off, uh, you know, check off a box, It's not just reading to, to, well, I got that done. Now I can move on to what I actually want to do. No, absolutely not. That's not how we're supposed to read the word of God. It needs to be purposeful, understanding that the Lord wants to use it to speak to us and to help us and to challenge us, to convict us, to change us. The word of God is powerful. It is powerful and can change your life. But if we're not reading it, how is the word of God going to change your life? New morning, every day, it needs to be my, my walk with God. My, my Bible reading specifically needs to be prioritized. It needs to be purposeful and it, it can be practical too. It can be practical. Joshua 1, verse 8, we read it earlier this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. The word of God can help us in our daily activities it can help us with how we treat one another it can help us with how we interact it can help us in our in our witness in our testimony it has practical applications in our lives second peter chapter 1 verses 2 through 3 the bible says elect according to the foreknowledge of god the father through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ grace unto you and peace be multiplied blessed be god and be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according and i think i wrote down the wrong one it's 2 Peter, not 1 Peter. Let me turn there. I copied out the wrong one, and I'm very sorry. 2 Peter, chapter verses two and three. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him which hath called us to glory and virtue. He wants to help us in every aspect of our lives. We can talk about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God's word is a practical book. It's something that can help us on a daily basis. I know I went through a lot of scripture here, but I hope you you get where I'm coming from here, that the Bible is important. The Bible has so much contained into it. It is profitable. It's powerful. It's practical. It's life-changing. If I were giving you an infomercial about some, you know, I don't know, diet pill or something like that and went through all the list of everything and it convinced you, that this was the most important thing that you needed, we would probably—well, maybe not probably. Um, we've been, we, <laughs> but but we we understand that that if we uh, if we realize that something is important, we start incorporating it into our lives. The Bible is important, so why don't we incorporate it into our lives? Why don't we read it? We're supposed to hide God's word in our heart. We're supposed to be ready always to give an answer to any to a man that asketh of the grace that is in us. But if we don't know the word of God, if we're not reading the word of God, how are we gonna hide it in our hearts? How are we supposed to do those things? How are we supposed to follow God's leading if we're not letting him lead us through his word? If the Bible is our spiritual food, why are we fasting? Why do we only eat one or two or three times a week when God wants us to eat and consume the word of God daily? Now you can say, okay, well, there's no verse that commands me to read the Bible every day. You can split hairs if you want to. There's no law that commands me to drink water every day. But you know what? I'm going to do it because I know how good it is for me, because I know the blessings and the benefits that come as a result of that. There's no no law that commands me to eat food every day, but I'm going to do that. We understand the benefits of it, We understand the importance of it and so we do it. And so church, if we can understand the importance of the word of God, maybe, just maybe, we can change our mindset a little bit to realizing, man, I need to get this in my mind every day, every day. We're commanded to search the scriptures. We read that verse earlier. If we want to grow spiritually, if we want to be sustained on a daily basis, if we want to be satisfactory examples to our children, then we must be in the word of God. One of the biggest reasons that people fail at starting uh, a new diet or uh, a lifestyle change or, or exercise regimen or something like that, uh, especially when they go to the gym, it's because they try to do too much too fast. Oh, I got to get caught up from where I was before. You know, so they go to the gym the first time and they're there for three hours and they use every machine and work every muscle and the next day they can't move. Okay? With the Word of God, I don't know where you're at. Okay? I'm not asking you to go and read your Bible the rest of the entire day. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Okay? I'm not advising against that. But what I'm saying is, I'm I'm saying I'm I'm asking you to take whatever the next step is. If you don't read your Bible at all, start with reading a verse every day. Read a verse of the Word of God and think about that verse the rest of your day. If you're there, Take the next step, read a chapter every day. Read a chapter every day and ask the Lord to speak to you. Psalm 119, uh, verse number 18, I uh, believe it is. Pastor quotes it often. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Ask the Lord to speak to you. And maybe that's the step that you need to take. Maybe you've just been reading your Bible and it's just been checking off a box. And maybe that's the step you need to take where you say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna be very purposeful about this. And I want you to show me the truth that you have for me from this chapter or from this verse or from this passage that you want me to read today. Maybe, maybe you're doing great and some of you in here, you're, you're reading your Bible every day and your walk with God has never been stronger, awesome. But I know that there's another step that we can take. The Lord wants us to be close to him. Maybe we need to start memorizing it. Maybe we need to start writing about it and writing down what God has spoken to us about. I don't know what the next step is, but God does want to draw you closer to him. Maybe the next step for you is that salvation that we talked about. And, and again, we have, we have, uh, we have uh, a lot of people in this room and I, I don't know where you're at in terms of your salvation. Maybe we, you got to that point and, and you said, I don't, I don't know what that means. What are you talking about salvation? But maybe that's the next step that you need to take where you need to realize your need for that savior that we talked about earlier. The Bible is what reveals him to us and our need for salvation, the fact that we can't save ourselves Whatever it is, take that next step. Start reading your Bible. Become more consistent. Read more. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Start memorizing it and hiding it in your heart. The word of God is important. It's powerful. It is life-changing. Let's not ignore it any longer. As Christians, how can we call ourselves followers of Christ if we ignore his words and we ignore his teachings? Let's take that next step in our walk with God. How many of you could say, I have, at some point in my life, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved. Would you raise your hand? Amen, praise the Lord. So many around this room, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and and if you're here today and you don't know that for sure, you don't know for sure that you're gonna go to heaven someday, you don't know for sure that you've accepted Christ as your Savior, You you might not even know what that means. This is not for everyone. This is not for everyone to see or to, to even respond to, but there may be one in this room that says, I, I don't know that for sure. I'm, I'm not sure that I've ever accepted Christ as my Savior. If that's you, would you just let me pray for you? Would you lift your hand as a testimony that I can pray for, so I can pray for you? Nobody's looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed. It looked like every hand went up. Now, Christians, I don't know where you're at, but I know the Bible's important. I know that God loves his word, and so should we. I I know that there's, there's a step that each and every one of us can take in our relationship with God. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you as to what that may be. Don't just let your mind wander here. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you as I hope he has already done and let him lead you to take that next step wherever it may be. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for not leaving us without instruction, without leaving us the comfort of your word.